Hey, podcast world, it's Josh Trent. This is Wellness and Wisdom. If it's the first time you're landing here, welcome. This may or may not be the perfect place for you to start. If you're looking for a deep dive into a singular topic where we can unravel the pontifications, the spirituality, the science, and really the truth about today's topic, 11 ways to be a more conscious parent, stick around. If you are a parent yourself, if you've been struggling, if you're interested in this concept of being a more conscious parent, this is perfect for you. If you want to go to our full-length guest interviews, check out our Tuesday podcasts. You can also look at our Q&As that we do on Fridays and also our special guest releases. So let's dig in. 11 ways to be a more conscious parent. Now look, I am a parent. I am a new parent. My son is almost 20 months old and there's another child on the way. So being a conscious parent, I know (laughs) is not always an easy task. It requires dedication, awareness, and mindfulness, but it's worth it. So let's explore this, the nuances, the most important takeaways to embodying the values and the virtues of conscious parenting. We're also going to talk about some of the funny but authentic ways to heal our families by healing ourselves. So by the end of this podcast, you're going to step away more intelligent, more empowered with these 11 ways to be a more conscious, loving, and present parent so that your children can grow up different than you did. And also, this is the one that people don't like to look at, but it's kind of my specialty. Any generational pain issues, any emotional epigenetics that you yourself are unknowingly projecting onto your child. I know it might sound really deep at first. I was just coming here to figure out how to be a better parent. Well, you have to parent the child inside of yourself before you can parent a child outside of yourself. There's nothing more deep than being a parent. So let's get started. What exactly is conscious parenting? Well, parenting itself is one of the most challenging jobs in the world. It involves nurturing and raising a child to be a responsible, independent, and successful adult. Success leaves clues. When conscious parents are in public, you can just feel it from them. There's a different way of being, a different way of speaking. Their kids are usually more well-behaved. Conscious parenting is a parenting style that emphasizes mindfulness, awareness, and intentionality in the way that we raise our children. Conscious parenting really is essentially about being fully present and engaged with our children, but it involves as a starting place, being aware of our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, then paying attention to those in our children. So by practicing essentially this conscious parenting, you and I can create a more harmonious and fulfilling relationship with our children and with ourselves. There is about five key principles, I believe, of conscious parenting. The first one is awareness and mindfulness. Now, a lot of times people get these terms mixed up, awareness and mindfulness. Awareness is the awareness of something around you. Mindfulness is when you remember to be aware. I'll say that again. When you're aware, you have a greater capacity to see things on a high and low level. You're more aware that your own projections are present. You're more aware that the world is the way it is. And you're mindful to not be pulled by your triggers so you can continue to be aware. In other words, mindfulness is the magnifying glass for awareness. Being present in the moment with our children are these two things. The next is emotional intelligence, the regulation of your own emotions as far as how do you feel and then how do you project that out into the world. This is how our children develop emotional intelligence by watching you and I. Next is empathy, turning into our children's needs and feelings. What are their needs? What are their feelings? How can we soothe them without making them wrong? 
it's a challenge, especially at three in the morning with a poopy diaper and going back for another Paleo Valley beef stick. Like that's, <laughs> that's definitely my life. Next is positive discipline using positive reinforcement rather than punishment. And by the way, never hitting, never. I do not believe it is ever, ever, ever the right time to hit a child. That's just my personal take on it. Encouraging good behavior only comes from parenting where you give the child choices, right? We'll talk about that later. Last one is authenticity. If you want your child to be real and to be present with you, You've got to be true to yourself as a parent and you've got to model that authenticity for your children. So now that there's a little more for you to start digesting about conscious parenting, it is about greater connection. You know, by being present and attentive to our child's needs, we can create this deeper understanding, a deeper connection with them. This leads to better behavior. It leads to improved communication. But the practice of this is where the rubber meets the road. So let's identify where you are in the parenting journey. Are you already a parent of maybe children that have been on earth for 10 years or more? Are you a brand new parent? Are you someone who's pregnant? Maybe you're listening to this because you're already thinking about how you're going to consciously relate to your boy, to your girl that's coming into the world. Well, here are the top 11 ways to incorporate this conscious parenting into your daily life. Number one, and I listed this as one because this has been and always will be the number one thing that'll allow you to raise conscious children. Number one, do the deepest work possible on yourself and encourage that in your partner or spouse. At first audible, you might say, duh, because any way you show up, your children are watching. The more clearing of your unconscious, painful projections that you can actually take ownership for, the less your children and your partner will suffer. That's a big one. Feel into that because many times we unknowingly self-sabotage our own love. And we do this without knowing it. That's why it's unconscious. This is why you see so many wounded leaders in the world because their parents came from a generation that did not encourage relational dynamics or self-love. So their parents couldn't give it to them. And then those children grow up to be leaders of corporations, even leaders of countries, politics, especially. So do that, do the deepest work on yourself, encourage that in your partner or spouse. A great starting place is just to head over to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. And you can search for self-sabotage or inner child in the hourglass in the upper right hand of the website. Number two, practice mindfulness meditation, or you can practice any mindfulness exercise to help you stay in the present moment with your child. Now here's my favorite one. My favorite one when I'm triggered and my partner might be annoyed by this. I don't know <laughs> if she's listening. I love you, babe. I, I tend to, when I'm triggered or when I'm in a moment where it's easy for me to snap out of mindfulness, I'll tend to take a fairly loud, deep breath. Now, not ostentatiously loud. You know, I, I don't go like, ah, but I do go a few times. You know, meditation doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing. Sometimes meditation could just be sensing your body, looking at your partner, doing three deep breaths and being still. Practicing this mindful meditation, here's what it does. It clears out the head trash so that you don't spew that onto the person or children in front of you. 
You also can start a bigger and better breathwork practice. You can go over to breathwork.io where I lead all of my students, over a thousand students now in the Breathe Breath and Wellness program. That's at breathwork.io. Number three, be authentic. Be authentic in your interactions with your child. Don't lie to them with your behaviors. Show them who you truly are rather than you trying to be someone else. If you've watched a YouTube video about how to be a perfect parent and you're trying to be super stoic or you're trying to be super into what the child is doing, even though you're not, tell them honestly with your eyes, with your words, with your tonations, tell them exactly with presence, with mindfulness, how you feel. If you don't like broccoli, don't pretend like you like it with your child. There are many ways that it is easy to lie or be inauthentic in the interactions with your child. But look, the more you are inauthentic with your child, it's death by a thousand cuts. It might seem like if you don't like lima beans and you show your child you like lima beans, that it might not matter. But guess what? When they're two, they'll see you eat them. When they're four, they'll realize you were lying. (laughs) It might be a small thing, but practicing this authenticity in interactions with your child, showing them who you truly are, rather than being someone else. It's a lifelong journey. Do your best in that category. Number four, use positive reinforcement techniques. Now, this is where I talked about hitting. If you look at the real research of capital T trauma, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, or even lowercase t trauma, neglect, lack of mindfulness, lack of encouragement, when you use positive reinforcement techniques, like praise or rewards to encourage good behavior rather than punishment, instead of your child having a nervous system that's hypervigilant or wired for fear, you are starting to tune their brain, tune their nervous system to actually seek out the pleasure. And look, our brains, it only does two things. It goes to pain, it avoids pleasure, and it gives and receives information. That's it. I mean, I know I reductionized the brain there, but the brain truly only has two jobs, right? Whether you call it the ego, whether you call it the shadow, or whether you call it just the ancestral portion of the brain with the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex, the posterior cingulate, the reticular activating system, or the default mode network, all these ancient structures in the brain. Our children, those things are just coming online. So the last thing that you want to do is train your child for self-loathing by giving them punishment and hardcore discipline. There are ways, and I'll list a few of them. There are ways, I believe, to train your child to seek out the reward and seek out the pleasure so that they feel within themselves the upsetness, maybe the anger, the grief, the frustration without you projecting it onto them. Here's an example. Let's say you have a six-year-old boy and there's a cookie jar on the counter and you tell the six-year-old boy, hey, Every night after you do your chores, you get a really big, great oatmeal raisin cookie. But if I ever catch you taking cookies out of the jar without asking or without doing your chores, then you'll go three days without a cookie. Does that make sense, Johnny? And Johnny will say, yes, mommy. Yes, daddy. Well, then you just let the child know that when they break the rules, you're just telling them what you already told them. You see what I mean? You're using positive reinforcement to have them do their chores, to have them follow the rules that you're setting because you don't want them eating cookies all day long. But you're also giving choice. You're giving agency to your child so that they're learning the repercussions of their decisions. Now, the unconscious parent would yell and scream and honestly, sadly, even hit their child because that's what they were trained to do. The conscious parent does something different. 
the conscious parent says, Johnny, I saw you take two cookies out of the jar this afternoon. I counted the cookies and I know that, you know, there's, there was 12 and now there's nine and you didn't do your chores and you didn't listen. So Johnny, do you understand by this choice that now you won't get cookies until Friday? You're not going to get cookies for three days. And Johnny might throw a fit, but you just hold him while he's throwing the fit because you're practicing the disciplinary structure without having to yell or be upset or unfortunately, which I never believe is the case to hit. Does this make sense? Do you feel this? Drop a comment to me on Instagram at Josh Trent official. You can even email us with your questions, your thoughts, admin at wellnessforce.com. There's so many more examples in there, but again, use positive reinforcement techniques. That is the big one. That is the takeaway. Number five, listen actively when your child speaks to you. Now you can listen through two ways, your eyes and your ears. Number one is body language. Number two is their words. I know when my son is up, he's upset about something, he'll slouch. He'll sit on the floor and he'll slouch. So what I do is I listen actively and he's not really speaking a lot of words yet, but he does speak some words like he knows cat and dog, mommy, daddy, you know, more thirsty water, stuff like that. So I'll model the words for him. I'll say, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you need your diaper changed? You know, go through the whole list as all the parents know. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And by lonely, I just mean bored, (laughs) bored, tired. When you listen actively, when you tune into their body language, you can depersonalize the experience. You don't have to take it so personal that your child is freaking out or screaming or crying or just having their emotional experience. When children have their emotional experience, it tends to bring up all of our stuff, you know, our lack of patience, our ambiguity around our center, our emotional center. So when you listen actively, remember it's with your eyes and your ears. Number six, model emotional intelligence by regulating your own emotions and teaching your child how to recognize their own. This is a big one. We have done 20 to 30 different podcasts specifically on emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is the ingredients of regulating your own emotions, being aware of your environment and being aware of you, the self operating in that environment. In other words, what projections can you own? What ways of being can you recognize? How much love can you bring into the situation? How much understanding and compassion? In my opinion, modeling emotional intelligence, it only comes with practice. It only comes with time. There's no way to shortcut this one. The number six, model emotional intelligence. Kids are always watching how you react, how you communicate, how you feel. This is where attachment styles are formed. Zero through seven. Are you going to be an anchor, a wave, or an island? To quote Dr. Stan Tatkin, which we'll link in the show notes. He's coming on a future podcast. Or are you going to be an anxious, a avoidant, or a secure attachment? No pressure, parents, but the way that you model emotional intelligence, it is going to depict the style of tether or the style of relation that your child will have with themselves and with their future partner. So no pressure at all, but the more emotional intelligence you have, the more regulation you have over your emotions, the more your child is going to recognize their own. That is a big one that is also stacking pretty heavy on the lifelong journey. Number seven, engage in emotional dialogue, engage in open dialogue about difficult topics. When you talk openly about difficult things 
and you provide a safe space for children to express themselves without fear of judgment or punishment, you start expressing love into the space. Now, what do I mean by this? When there's an uncomfortable topic, right? Maybe it's sex, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's gender dysphoria, maybe it's fill in the blank. There's so many topics right now that are just really like the Watiko of our time. It is so important that you remember to breathe because when you avoid a topic, when you don't talk about it, kids are going to go search for it on their own. And maybe the parents that have 10 year olds or older already know this, especially if your kids are in public school, I do not recommend public school. I know it's challenging, but I would recommend pulling your kids out of public school immediately immediately actually never start them my children will never see the light of day in a public school hands down it's just not going to happen the agenda of wokeness the agenda of mental control that is happening in schools is the worst it's ever been and i think that's why we see the professions of teachers salaries going down vacancies and really just the educational system is imploding upon itself the majority of why people send their kids to college is because the parents want to feel good so they can put the Stanford bumper sticker on their bumper. That's a lot of it. It really is. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. If you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, or if you're going to require specialized training in something, then yes, absolutely. Go to college, get that specialized degree. But to get a, a degree in basket weaving or a degree in communications or all these things, it essentially just teaches you something you could learn on your own. And that is how to go through barriers that try to block you when tasks need to be done. That's at the core of every college. So engage about difficult topics. Do not wait for other people to talk about different topics that are difficult with your kids. Don't wait. If you wait, it's going to be too late. And I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to inspire you. Have the conversations with your kids early when it comes to the topics that are difficult or someone else will, and you don't want them teaching your kids. Number eight, respect each individual's unique needs and their worldviews while, and this is key, while still setting healthy boundaries within the family dynamic. If your kids like certain foods, if your kids like certain TV shows, if your kids like certain friends, you can navigate this with explanation. Remember I, I said in number three, be authentic in your interactions with your child and model emotional intelligence and engage in open dialogue. All of these things set you up for number eight. If you respect your child's unique needs and even their worldviews, you know, Johnny thinks he's a pilot. He thinks he can climb on the roof and fly off the roof. Obviously, you're not going to let that happen. <laughs> do not let your kid do that. You can set healthy boundaries. You can say, hey, I know you think you're a pilot or I know, you know, unfortunately, let's go back to the, to the hard conversation. Hey, Johnny, I know you unfortunately hang out with a group of parents that were super duper woke. And now little Johnny thinks he's little Jamie. Little boy thinks he's a little girl. Well, you're not. You're not. You have a penis. A girl has a vagina. And so we need to return to this understanding that it's okay to have different views. It's okay to have different styles. All is welcome. But not all is welcome when it comes to the bastardization of the child's mind, the appropriation of this gender trending, this gender dysphoria, which is just absolutely breaks my heart. Yes, you can respect individuals' needs, but you also must set healthy boundaries. Let me ask you this. If you were a parent and your child was running out in the street and you saw a car coming, what would you do? A primordial response inside of your nervous system would make you yell and scream and sprint to save your child. 
So then why aren't you doing the same when it comes to the woke agenda from YouTube, from Instagram, from Facebook, when they try to pour gender dysphoric messages and demonic messages into your child's brain? Food for thought, my friend. And don't take my word for it, right? I have strong opinions, but at the end of the day, like we're just here chatting and connecting together. So yes, respect each child's needs and worldviews, but take responsibility and set healthy boundaries within the family dynamic. Okay, we're almost to the end. Number nine, acknowledge mistakes made on both sides. But focus, this is the key, focus more on problem solving rather than pointing fingers rather than blame. When your child pushes your buttons and makes you upset, I I actually did this and I talked about it on my podcast. I was laying on the ground and Nova came over and he squeezed my nipple so hard, like it hurt really bad. And just like a total response, like a, (laughs) a sympathetic nervous system response, I like pushed him a tiny bit. And I felt so bad after I did. I mean, I didn't push him really hard, but like I pushed him away and he started crying. And after he was, I held him and I said, daddy, sorry. And I said, look, when you come up, when you squeeze daddy's nipple like that, it hurts. Do you understand? And he kind of nodded his head and I said, okay, so I'm sorry I did that, but my body responded because it was hurting and you made it hurt. So no, Nova, don't squeeze daddy's nipple. Okay. So that that's a very small example, but this is where we can really acknowledge the mistakes that we make. When you make a mistake, acknowledge it and also let the child know that they made a mistake. They did something that hurt someone else. Number 10, foster independence and respect for autonomy. Now do this as early as you can by encouraging children to make decisions from an informed place wherever possible. You know, fostering independence isn't about putting your child outside all day and not paying attention to them. That's neglect. Autonomy is one's ability to operate as a sovereign being in a life experience, in an environment, right? So if you're an autonomous thinker, that means you think for yourself. If you're an independent person, that means that you can be dependent on you for all the things that you need. However, kids are not independent. (laughs) They're not. They're fully dependent on you. You're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're raising them. This is the nuance of making your kids feel autonomous at times when it's appropriate. And also letting them know like they depend on you, right? We're not trying to raise kids with mental health disease. We're trying to raise kids that eventually will step into full independence and autonomy within themselves. Here's a good example. When they're playing in the playground, don't tell them what to do. Just hold space for them when they're playing and let them explore on their own. That is probably the best thing. When kids are playing, let them play. Don't tell them how to play. Now we save the best for last Encourage a life of wellness. Number 11, encourage a life of wellness set by your example. Use self-care practices. Learn, embody, and own the five sides of the wellness pentagon that we teach in our Breathe, Breath, and Wellness program and in really every single podcast, every single piece of content that we put out into the world. Your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial self, all the aspects of you need nourishment. So these self-care practices like play and dance, journaling, yoga, art therapy, creative expression, anything that's going to help foster personal growth and connection within you, within the family system. This is a big one because your kids don't always listen to what you say. Your kids watch and they see your way of being. And it's a big one for me right now as my son's starting to learn how to talk and come more online. I'm like, okay, 
what are my ways of being from my body language, from my tone of voice, from my just existence in the world that he is modeling? And can I take emotional inventory and ask myself, are the things that he's modeling from me, are those going to be most loving, most helpful to him one day when he's an adult, when he's learning how to be autonomous and independent and mindful and conscious? You know, these self-care practices, they're non-negotiables. And the more that I negotiate with myself about caring for myself, the more that other people's time, energy, and their proclivity towards what they need in their life seeps into mine. At the end of the day, we're not perfect and we never will be. And from my heart to yours, I just want to say this one thing, practicing conscious parenting techniques like the 11 that we've listed today, they're not always easy, but you know that anything in your life you've ever created came from you hurdling something that wasn't easy. You'll create stronger bonds with your kids and you'll help them develop into happy, healthy, vibrant adults that live their life well. Learn more over at joshtrent.com forward slash 529. That's joshtrent.com forward slash 529. There's lots of resources and just a deeper dive for you to go into this topic of how do I be a more conscious parent? It is no easy task. It requires dedication and mindfulness and recommitment and awareness. But most of all, the most important thing I will say about all the theories and resources you've explored in this podcast, they're nothing compared to the power of loving yourself. Remember, the greatest gift you could ever give to your children is loving yourself and learning how to love your partner, even when you're triggered by their behaviors. To learn more and explore some of the resources and trainings that'll help you more, head over to the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast website and search for Conscious Parenting in the hourglass on the upper right of the page. You can find it at joshtrend.com forward slash podcast. Until we talk again, until we meet again, until we get to go in the flow one more time, thank you for being here. From my heart to yours, you are loved, you are supported, and you are on the right path. What's up, my friend? If you like this podcast, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. Now, when I say quick, I mean quick. Just head over to joshtrent.com forward slash store. Peruse, poke around, check out all the products that you're already buying. Maybe you've even bought some of these products on Amazon. Check out the savings, the absolute exclusive, incredible discounts, upwards 10 to 40% off normal prices that you will not find on Amazon. You will not find them anywhere else. A lot of these deals with over 70 different products were created by just relationships from me to the founders of companies. We're talking about Organifi, Paleo Valley, Cured Nutrition, Cacao, Kitchen, Home, Bath, foods, superfoods, gut health. I mean, literally anything, EMF, mitigation. When you look at the five sides of the Pentagon, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, even financial, every single tool that you need for a lifetime can be found at joshtrent.com forward slash store. Now, here's the thing. When you go to the store and you get savings, it's a triple win. You save a bunch of money on products that you're already buying maybe, or maybe that you don't even realize could be supporting you and nourishing you. It helps the podcast because that's how I keep delivering you this free content is through love and appreciation through our sales of products we care about and, and our sponsors. And then also companies, you know, these conscious companies that I've partnered with, they win too. save money, create the triple win in your life and in this podcast so we can actually be together on this journey of improving our lives. JoshTrent.com forward slash store, save up to 40% off of everything you're already buying. Thanks for your support.